0: You know, church uh, is such an interesting concept, right? Church. Uh, I don't think there's anything else quite like it on the face of the earth. You know, the church uh, brings people together from different backgrounds, all kinds of different interests, and it meshes them together into what I like to think of as a family. Scripture oftentimes calls the the family of God. And, and within this great mix of people there's so many different personalities and perspectives a lot of different ideas about how to do things or they should be done in the church outside the church in the world i mean there's just this great uh, range of of perspectives and ideas people with all kinds of different uh, personality traits and our different kind of quirks the things that make us unique i mean i've, I've got my own personality quirks i i can i can acknowledge that uh in this church in particular, we as a church, I mean, we are a multi-generational church uh, that is filled with people from uh, all over the place, some native Floridians, some people who have come from the northeast, the midwest. We've got some people who've come from out west, right, from all across the United States, people who've come from different places around the world uh, who make up who we are uh, as a people, as a church. Uh, We've got people who Uh, have been in church their whole life uh, ever since they were a kid that's all they've ever known people who never went to church before they came here people who hadn't been to church since they were children and now they started coming back and they're here in this place so we have people with all kinds of different life experiences all the different uh, range of things that we've gone through and experienced within life that makes us each kind of our own unique people and Why this is interesting to me, I think, is that in most other organizations, you know, there's some sort of conformity, right? Some sort of shared affinity or or personality trait that draws people together in the church. uh, You know, we have this wide variety of people, people who might not even like one another, uh, people who might not like one another, but but we're still drawn to one another because we're being drawn unto Jesus, Uh, In other organizations, you know, you have people that start rubbing you the wrong way and you you might hit the road. But in the church, there's this different kind of calling, this different invitation for us as people who are following Jesus. There's this unifying aspect of becoming more and more like him. And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to be the church. Not necessarily what the church is. But what is God's call for us as a church and how we relate to one another? What is God's call for us as a church and the ways that we relate to the world around us? What is the overarching uh, posture and mission that God has given to each of us? Uh, You know, what what does it look like for us to truly be the family of God? And one of the beautiful things within this uh, that I see in, in the nature and the makeup of the church and the ways that God calls us together is that is that the church is part of God's plan, I believe, to make us holy, right? The, the church is a part of God's sanctifying process within us. And, and I think one of the ways that that takes place is because we have all these different personalities and perspectives, and we all kind of get together in the same place and uh, we, we rub each other the wrong way at times. There's, there's friction. There's all of these other things that are taking place. And, and what happens is that exposes some of the, the ongoing work that needs to be done within our own hearts and souls. It, it highlights, perhaps, some of the, the sin that exists within our hearts, and it invites us to take a step closer towards Jesus, uh, to be refined by him, to continue to be made holy by his grace uh, in proverbs chapter twenty seven seventeen it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another it 's kind of speaking of this work that 's done within us as we gather together as the church that there is this process of iron sharpening iron, and, and a lot of times, and when I hear this or I think about it, it 's like, oh, you know this is this is nice this iron sharpening iron is it's just this gentle process through which, you know, we're kind of slowly made more and more uh, like Christ, through which we're slowly being sharpened. But I think the reality is different. I mean, we've got two uh, hard metals. Well, iron and iron. We've got one hard metal, but, but two pieces of it being rubbed against one another. I mean, that's not gentle. There's, there's friction that's there. There's, there's, there's a lot of uh, not uh, easy things that are taking place. Every blacksmith video, including, you know, this little short clip that's on the screen now, it shows this iron sharpening iron process as metal that's being heated up, uh, metal that's being pounded and bent and shaped. And, and I think this is probably more more apropos for what our relationship as the church is like with one another in this iron sharpening iron sort of process. I mean, there are times whenever you are rubbing up against somebody who might have a different personality or perspective than you, and it creates that kind of friction within you start to feel a little bit heated up inside and it's it's some of these things within us that are that are rising to the top where it's like oh i i still need jesus to do a refining work within my heart and within my soul right we bump into people it exposes our flaws our sins rise to the surface and then we have to learn how to deal with it it's part of god's process of making us holy if you haven't experienced it yet there are going to be people in the church that rub you the wrong way. It's, it's going to happen because we're all so different and unique. Uh, there's going to be people in the church that you might not like and, and people who might not like you that you would never have any association with if it wasn't for the seeking to follow after Jesus and being able to do that together. That's a part of how God is, is bringing us to one another so we can be that iron that sharpens iron. And and how we respond in these situations where where this person is rubbing us the wrong way, uh, where we're bumping up against people and we feel that friction within, how we respond, how we learn to respond is an important part of how we are being shaped into the image of Christ. It's a part of that holiness process. And so one of the first things that I think is important for us as we're learning how iron sharpens iron, how we uh, as followers of Jesus are being shaped into the image of Christ, is to think about the ways that we speak to one another and the ways that we speak about one another. In, in Proverbs uh, chapter 18 verse 21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What it's saying is that with the way that we speak to one another, the words that I say, the way that I say them, the tone that I use, with the way that I speak about other people, the things that I say about them, the way that I share information about them, that I have the ability, that you have the ability, we have the ability to speak life or to speak death with the way that we speak when somebody rubs us the wrong way, when, with the way that we speak when somebody's personality quirks rub up against our own personality quirks, that we have the potential in those situations to bring death or to bring life, not only into their lives, but into our own as well. The things that we say, the way that we say them, it not only affects the people around us, it, it has an impact on our own souls, our own lives as well. You know, Growing up, I always used to hear, Uh, and I'm sure that you probably did as well, that that great saying, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, (laughs) right? Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But if you've lived long enough, you know that it's just not true. A, A broken bone can heal a lot faster than a wounded soul. And if we're honest, a lot of us are walking around with various wounds on our souls from the ways that people have spoken to us, from the things that people have said about us. And it's a lot of times in this woundedness uh, that we speak and say and act and do in ways that become hurtful towards others. We, we continue to perpetuate the same sin that's been done against us, against others. And so oftentimes we have this opportunity to speak life into others, but instead we speak death. And in large part, it's because of the things that we've experienced within our own lives, the, the ways that we've felt that within our own lives. When we think about the ways that we speak, the ways that we're called to speak as followers of Jesus, as the church, the Bible actually has a lot of things to say about it. It has a lot of things that we can read and see where uh, it's being described to us in, in, in stories, the way that our words can bring life and death. We also see a lot of prescriptive writing, you know, instructions for us to follow. Don't do this, do this. Uh, one of the great places we find some of these prescriptions is in Proverbs. It's a, a great book of wisdom. And this passage in particular uh, talks about the ways that we speak to one another. In Proverbs 26, verse 17 through 28, it talks about the ways that, that we use our words, and the kind of uh, ways that they can bring life and death. And so beginning here in verse 17, and I'm going to be reading from the New Life Translation, it begins by saying, interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear, right? I mean, which is just really interesting. Two people are involved in something that's not your business, and you jump in, and you get bit. And a lot of times we wonder, well, why did that happen to me? You know, I didn't do anything. Well, maybe you should mind your own business. I'm sorry. That's, that's not the way Proverbs says it, but it kind of is, right? You pull a dog's ear, it's, go- it's going to bite you. You jump in, into somebody else's argument, you're going to get caught up in that hurt as well. It, it continues in verse 18. It says, Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is somebody who lies to a friend. And then says, I was only joking. Hmm. Verse 20 continues uh, fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. Rumors are dainty morsels, they sink deep into one's heart. Smooth words have a Smooth words may hide a wicked heart just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot people may cover their hatred with pleasant words but they are deceiving you they pretend to be kind but don't believe them their hearts are full of many evils while their hatred may be concealed by trickery their wrongdoing will be exposed in public I i think it's kind of telling us there's a way that the truth finds itself out that it can only stay covered up for so long Right? There's, only, there's only so much lipstick on a pig that's going to make it look nice. And eventually you're going to realize, hey, this is still a pig. It, it goes on and says here in verse uh, 27, If you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. We think, you know, well, it doesn't affect us, even the words that we use when we're talking about others, uh, the way that we're involved in speaking to others and saying that it's going to have a damaging impact on our lives as well, that it affects our own souls. And in verse 28, a lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words cause ruin. I mean, there's, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight into the ways that our speaking can bring about death, not only into the lives of others, but into our own lives as well. This, this proverb, this set of proverbs, cautions us about the deadly harm that comes through through lying, through our dishonesty, uh, comes through our, our, our gossip, the way that we talk about other people, that comes through our manipulation, right? In verse 18, it compares lies, uh, our, our not being truthful, even our, our practical jokes that happen and occur at somebody else's expense, as damaging as a shooting weapon is, right? That, that if, even if we're playing around, even if we're just joking around at times, even if we're just trying to be funny, our lack of truthfulness can be damaging. Our, our practical jokes, if it's at somebody else's expense, can be damaging to that person. I mean, the context in, in these verses suggests that, that the person is, is just trying to be funny. Right? Well, I'm only joking, right? It's, it's no big deal. But when those attempts at being funny create a situation where somebody else is the butt of the joke, it becomes hurtful to them. And it becomes hurtful to our own witness as well. As followers of Jesus, it's important for us to speak the truth with love, to be a people who are known by our honesty and our integrity, to speak so that that people could trust us when we say something, that our witness is one that, that promotes trust. You know, I hear many people who long for the days whenever, you know, we didn't have 20-page contracts that you have to initial 100 times and, and, and hand over a sample of your blood just so that you can check out a book from the library, right? I mean, a, a way in which we could make deals with just a simple handshake. I mean, I can, I can hear, I remember when we just needed a, 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 a simple handshake to sign the deal, when, it, when a person's word was their word. And we sometimes wonder, well, what happened to that kind of society? What happened to that world? well people were dishonest people would lie and when they would get caught i imagine people probably would say oh you know well i I was just joking or i I didn't mean that or oh you know i'm just messing around i'll I'll get to it i'll take care of it and then they never did and they never did and the lie just continued to grow but there was promises that were broken Uh, there was dishonesty that occurred and so trust was lost i mean we have a general uh, breakdown of trust within our society we we don't trust people to do what they say they're going to do and so we have all of this legal jargon that goes in lots of people that are getting paid off of our distrust for one another if we want that kind of handshake society and it has to start with us as followers of jesus as people who take god's word seriously uh, that we have to begin by being people who are trustworthy ourselves If we are representatives of Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, we are representing the truth through the ways that we speak to and about one another. We have to be a people who are honest. Even if telling the truth is going to cost us, it means that we have to be honest about it. The proverb then moves uh, from uh, our conversations about being honest in our speech to talking about the way that we speak to one another. Did you, did you hear what happened to sister so-and-so? I just love how, how ears perk up. All you got to say is, did you hear what happened? And Wait, what? What is it? Everybody's ready. Everybody's listening now. There's something within us, right, that, that we want to hear, that we want to know. Uh, when there's something that's going around, oh, what was that? What, what is it? Who did what? What did she? I can't believe she said that. No, I can't believe he did that. But the reality is, if you're talking about somebody else, to somebody else, right? That's, that's damaging, not only to the person who's being talked about, but it's damaging to the person who's speaking and the person who's listening. If it's, if it's not something that's uplifting, if it's, not somebody that's, if it's not something that's casting that person in a higher light, it's gossip. And this proverb compares gossip to wood that's going on a fire. And we're just throwing more and more wood on this fire until it burns out of control and we see the damage that it does. I, I think that we all kind of have this, you know, desire to want to know what's going on. We, we have this desire to be in the know. Uh, we, we have a desire to be able to make other people think that we know something that's going on. And so we, we like to hear stuff and we like to be able to pass it along. Uh, because in some ways, in some ways, it, it, it puffs us up. It, it creates this energy within us that, that, that makes us feel as though we, we've got some kind of importance now because we know something. There's a fire for sure that's going on, but it burns out of control within us. You know, I had a pastor friend, it makes me think, I had a pastor friend, he said that we were, we're all just still in middle school, really. We just have bigger bodies, right? Adults are just like middle schoolers. We just have bigger bodies uh, than what they do. And and bodies that probably don't uh, bend the way that theirs do still. But, But what he meant was that we were all still trying to figure out who we are in relation to other people. Uh, we're, we're also trying to figure out, you know, our, our identity, our purpose, our worth. And and the reality is, is that oftentimes when we are looking at the world and others in this light, if if that person is a little bit lower than me, then I'm a little bit higher, right? If that other person, if I can push them down, then it pushes and boosts me up. The thing that pushes us to want to hear those, those dainty morsels that sink down deep within our hearts or that And what it causes us to want to push or or to sell, to share those dainty morsels with others, it's really a lot of times our own insecurity, our own being insecure with who we are, our own lack of an identity that's found in who Jesus says that we are. So I got to figure it out based on the people around me. I have to figure out who I am based on what others around me are doing or saying. But if you know who you are in jesus and if you know who you are as a beloved child of the king then all of these other dainty morsels don't matter all of these other things that are being said by others to you or about you or that are trying to be passed through you onto somebody else they don't matter because we learn that that it's not other people who define who we are but it's god who defines who we are it's god who says who we are as his creation ones who've been made in his image Ones whose lives have been bought with a price through Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. And that we can live our lives fully for Him regardless of any of these other things that are going on. And so when we know who we are as a child of the King, we can learn to say, you know what, that's, that's not really my business, you know. Uh, when we know who we are as, as a follower of Jesus, as one who has been loved deeply by Him, then we can learn how to say, you know what, maybe you should go talk to that person instead of telling me about it because really your issue is with them and that's what jesus calls us to do anyways is to go and talk to them when we know who we are as a child of the king we can be people who put out fires rather than spreading them on by sharing them with others you know the quickest way to the quickest way to stop a rumor is to not spread it right in the game of telephone if you remember playing telephone whenever you were a kid if somebody just walked out of the line, the, the game was basically over. It, it stopped. It ended there. You know, to be able to tell somebody, you know what, this is, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. This is not who God calls us to be. As a church, if we get called up and who said what or who did what or, or what this person did to the other person, what it's really saying is that we've lost our mission and our focus. We have lost who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus. It means that we probably have a little bit too much time on our hands. Time that could be better spent serving others. Time that could be better spent uh, learning how to love the people around us, to love the people in our community, to offer some grace and some hope and some mercy to people around us. If we're going around starting fires instead of putting them out, it means that we're missing what God is calling us to do. So as the church as the family of God, we're called, we're invited to, to think about the ways that we speak to and about one another, uh, to, to recognize the damage that's done in, in the lives of other people, the damage that's done within our own hearts and lives and our own souls as well. Sometimes one of the, the best things that we can practice is the thing that we learned when we were little kids. You know, one of those other things that mothers would say, if you don't have anything nice to say... Man, you know, all is, what's that What's that mean when you say, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten? <laughs> right? I, I think there's a lot of truth to that at times, because if we don't have anything that's going to be uplifting, if it's not encouraging, uh, then just let's keep it to ourselves. The last part of the Proverbs talks about the ways that our, our dishonesty, talks about the ways that our are not speaking well of others, are are spreading rumors and gossip about one another has a way of rolling back on us. You know, the person who might think that your joke is funny and they might laugh alongside of you, the person who can't wait to hear the next piece of gossip that you're going to share is also the person that's going to think twice before they tell something important to you. They're going to think twice before they decide how close they're going to let you be within their lives because they've seen your character and action, They've seen your character on display, and so they might laugh at your joke. They might listen, but they're not going to share anything with you because they know that it's going to get passed on to the next person. And, and you can have all the gifts and skills in the world, but if, if our character, if our integrity, if our trustworthiness is not there, it's going to prevent us as individuals, it'll prevent us as a church from uh, achieving the potential that God has for us. Uh, It'll prevent us from reaching the heights that we think that we should have because other people see our character It shines through the truth has a way of pushing through uh, Everything else that's going on around us In scripture it gives us these proverbs about the ways that our speech leads to death, but it also Instructs us on the ways that we should speak to one another how we should speak about one another And so i'm gonna invite you to turn in your bibles with me to hebrews chapter 10 Uh, We're going to look at verse 24 and 25. And the author of Hebrews here, he's, he's writing to a congregation. And he's writing to encourage them on how they can encourage one another. And so he says this in verse 24, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Let's think about it. You know, out of the love that I have for my brother and sister in Christ, because I recognize that person as somebody who's been created in God's image, because I recognize that person as somebody who's seeking to follow Jesus, because I, I recognize that this person is a child of the King, let me think about the ways that, that I can encourage them to pursue Christ. Let's think about the ways that we, can, that we can provoke, that we can share, that we can compel one another to move more and more towards Jesus. And then in verse 25, not, not neglecting to meet together, This is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. He's inviting us to think about our connections and our relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to think about these connections and relationships as being mutually encouraging, mutually beneficial relationships for us. That we are to think about, that we are to consider, that we are to meditate, that we are to pray about ways that we can build each other up. Ways that we can encourage one another in Christ likeness. Ways that we can use our words to speak life instead of death. It's an invitation that out of our our deep love for one another, out of the abundance of care that we have, to offer encouragement to the people who are sitting next to me, to the people who are sitting around me. And really a lot of times in order to be able to offer that word of encouragement to people, we have to take the time to get to know them. That's why it says, don't neglect meeting together. Don't forget, you need to spend time with one another if you're truly going to know the ways that you can encourage one another. You're going to need to spend time with each other to know what's going on in each other's lives if you're really going to be able to share love in a way that, that lifts and builds people up. So it says, you know, meet together so that in your meetings together, trust can be built. Meet together. Meet together. So that over time, you develop that kind of relationship and connection and trust so that persons can share what's really going on in their lives without the fear of 10 other people hearing and finding out about it. Meet together so you can learn how to put out fires rather than starting them. Meet together so you can learn how God is calling you to serve one another, how God is calling you to wash one another's feet, how God is calling you and inviting you to let other people know that they are loved, to remind them of who they are in jesus christ and who he says they are to meet together so that you can encourage one another to make good and healthy decisions to meet together so that you have that potential and opportunity to follow up with one another to see how people are doing to have this connection of care and love and encouragement this is who we're called to be as the church right? this is one of the ways that we are called to speak life into a world of death by meeting together developing connections and relationships that are based on trust and offering encouragement to one another by by loving people as jesus did and now if you're like me and you're still kind of struggling with this ongoing battle within of of how i speak life uh, when my native tongue is probably to speak death right i mean it if you're like me, you grew up and the thing to do was to rag on other people, right? I mean, that's, that's what we would do uh, as as amongst my friends. That's one of those things that just kind of carries on over time. Uh, if you're like me, you probably uh, grew up and have experienced throughout time this, this need to be in the know of what's going on and to feel like you're a part of something, and so you, you pass it along so that you can get that next morsel from somebody else. If you're like me, you've, you probably learned that You know, you got to do whatever you got to do so that you can get ahead, even if the long term effects might not be known yet. So, if you're trying to live as Christ calls us to live, if you're trying to learn how to put these ways from the past behind, to stop speaking death and instead to be able to speak life, Jesus offers a little bit of wisdom for us. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Right? When we find ourselves speaking death, it means we need to check what's going on in our hearts. What, what's taking place within me? What, what do I need to pause and stop and check on so that I, can, that I can figure out how God can do a healing work in my soul so that I stop this? Right? Because if I'm filled up with Jesus, if I'm filled up with His grace, if I'm filled up with His love, if I've built my life and my identity, my understanding based on what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. I'm going to learn how to speak words of life. It's going to be a natural byproduct to have that. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you've stored up inside is going to be the thing that comes out. Whatever you've made the central thing of importance within your life is going to affect the way that you speak. If you're building your life on Jesus, it's Jesus that comes out. If you're finding your identity in Jesus, your purpose, your worth, your mission, and giving Him honor and glory, then Jesus is going to be the thing that comes out of your mouth when you speak. And having a change of heart and character comes from letting the Word of God dwell within you richly. Uh, to let the Word of God move from uh, not just something that you hear and that's there in your head, but to let it move down into your heart and into your soul. To do that work within you and then from your heart and your soul to move out of your mouth and into the world around us. It involves this daily being reminded of how God's amazing grace has saved a wretch like me. And so when I see all of these wretches around me, I can be like, you know what? God did something for me. And I know that God cares and can do something for them as well. So I'm gonna offer them grace. I'm gonna speak life instead of speaking death. Right? It, it, it affects the way that I think and speak when I, when I recognize that even when I was an enemy of God, that Christ died for me, and that because of what Christ has done for me, that that I have new life, and I can speak words that offer new life to others. And so I'm going to invite you to do a few things this week. The first is to take time to let Jesus into your heart. And I don't necessarily mean like to to let him in like you're praying a sinner's prayer for the first time in your life. Though if you need to do that, that'd be a great thing to do to take that step of putting trust and faith in Him. But but to really let it be something that this relationship, this connection with Him, to be something that sinks down deep within our hearts and within our souls, right? That when you read His Word, to not just read the words and to think about it, but but to take notes, to meditate on it, to pray about it, to ask Him to do that work within you, to ask Jesus to do that, that healing work, to ask Jesus to forgive you whenever you've said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing, to ask Jesus to forgive that person who has said or done the wrong thing towards you. There's a lot of healing that comes whenever we begin to pray for the people who have created hurt in our lives we begin to lift them up before Jesus, when we forgive them, we experience that grace and forgiveness within our own lives. And so I'd invite you and encourage you to, to take that time to spend with Jesus. Uh, the next thing I would invite you to do is to make a plan to encourage somebody this week. Right? One of the best ways that we uh, can uh, speak words of life is to create a habit where that becomes the thing that we do. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his, in his writing, A uh, Book of Mere Christianity He talks about how you love somebody that you don't really love. Uh, He he says, you know, we have this call uh, from Jesus to love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, what if I don't actually, what if I don't like them? What if I don't actually love them? And so he says the first thing to do is to not worry about what you think or feel about them, but to begin acting in a way that's loving towards them. And over time, this practice, this habit of acting lovingly towards them, Being intentional about acting lovingly towards them begins to shape your affections, what's going on inside. And so in the same way, I would encourage you, I would invite you, I would implore you to think about somebody this week that you can offer encouragement to. Who's God placing on your heart and mind right now that needs to hear some words of life that you have the opportunity and the ability to speak life into, to to encourage them, to, to be intentional about it, to think about it, not just this week, but every week, Start with just picking one person a week that you're going to offer encouragement to, and it'll be a great gift for them. It'll be a great witness to God's love within our own lives. And the third thing that I'd invite you to do is to not neglect meeting with one another. We have a lot of awesome Sunday school classes and small groups and Bible studies, and these are opportunities for us to experience that iron-sharpening iron process in an environment that's, that's safe, in an environment where we can uh, mutually encourage one another, in an environment where we can pray for one another, in an environment where we can be honest and open with one another, where we can share and grow in the faith together. So I would invite you to consider to pray about which one of these groups might be a good place for you to connect with one another so we can help mutually grow in holiness together, so that we can live as God has created us and called us and desired for us to live. So take time to get to know Jesus. Make a plan to encourage somebody and connect in a group where you can offer words of life and be encouraged by others' words of life. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you uh, that you have been so gracious with us. That when all we know is death, you came and you offered us life. We thank you uh, for the ways that you continue to pour out mercy and grace and love within our lives. And we pray, Lord, that, that we might be able to reflect on that each day, that we might be able to grow in grace as we uh, remember uh, how gracious you've been to us, that we might be able to grow in our love towards others as we remember how you have first loved us, that we might be able to grow in ways that speak life into a world that is hurting and full of death, so that we can better reflect your goodness and your grace. We pray that as you do a transforming work in us, that we might see your transforming work done in the world around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.